Hey, good morning. I hope your Sunday is going fantastic. I hope you've had a great week. Welcome to Faith on Hills Online Sunday morning service. We gather every Sunday morning in person and online to worship Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, to study his word and to come together as his people. Now, uh, things going on around the church. Um, we are still taking food donations for Wichita Family Center. So even if you're not coming in person right now, but you'd like to uh, help uh, do a food donation, you can message us and uh, we would love to uh, schedule a time for you to drop stuff off. Uh, as far as what's going on with COVID, I just want to, I want to speak frankly about COVID. Our church has had a policy of trying to be consistent. That's been our buzzword in terms of how we have dealt with the pandemic for the last year and a half. We've tried to be consistent. So what we have done is whether we have agreed with it or not, and not everybody has. Some people haven't. Some people have. At some points, one you know, a person might agree with something at one point and then a few months later disagree with something and it's, there's no rhyme or reason or whatever. But we've tried to be consistent. So we have followed the mandates from our public health officials whenever they've been given. There is now a mask mandate for all indoor gatherings. But right now, in person, we are gathering outside in our field. And it's really nice. It's chill. Uh, people bring lawn chairs and beach blankets. And uh, we have pop-up tents for shade. And we have this kind of chill summer vibe going on. So the thinking right now is, as long as the weather holds, we were going to go back in our building in September, but as long as the weather holds, we might as well stay outside. And so as, as long as the weather holds, we will continue to do church in the field, and maybe we'll get a nice Indian summer, and the next thing you know, we'll be, uh, be able to stay outside until October, and maybe by then, uh, mask mandates will be lifted. To be honest, I don't think that's going to be the case. That's not what I would project myself. Um, but we will cross that bridge when we come to it. Here's what I know about what's going on in our community and in our country when it comes to COVID right now. The surge of cases is 100% real. And I admit that I have had fatigue when it comes to COVID. And yet, I don't want to ever lose compassion for those who are suffering and for those who are serving on the front lines in hospitals and doctor's offices. We need to be praying for our nurses, for our doctors, for the EMTs, for all the hospital staff. What's going on right now down in South Oregon in the Medford area is horrible. What's going on in Louisiana and Alabama is terrible. I read today that there are no ICU beds left in Alabama. Um, I know that that got to be the case down in Josephine County in southwestern Oregon uh, this last week. So I, I know that there is a real surge happening. At the same time, it feels like there's a whole new list of enemies that people are trying to put in front of my face. Uh, make, the, make the people who want forced vaccinations my enemy. Make the anti-vaxxers my enemy. Make this person my enemy. And I just refuse to have more enemies. And so what I am encouraging and, and, and I'm trying and striving for myself is, Lord, help me to have a renewed compassion where there's compassion fatigue. Help me to have a renewed love for the people around me when love is tempted to grow cold and be in short supply. And at the same time, Lord, give me the humility to submit when I maybe have differing opinions. And so that's where I'm at. That's where we're at. 
We're going to keep meeting outside as long as we can because when you're outside, you know, the rules are different. And when we come to going back in our building, we'll see where we're at then, but we're just going to follow our policy of being consistent. And at least that way, everybody knows, hey, you know what? It's not like they're just picking and choosing. They've just kind of tried to stay the same course. The biggest thing that I want is that love would increase among the followers of Jesus. And, and if we are tempted to find new ways to divide, we need to fight that with all that is in us. So as we continue together as a church family to study God's word, open your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 5, as today we finish our study in the book of 1 John talking about Christian living. Hey, well, good morning again. If you have a Bible, open to 1 John chapter 5. It is our last week in the book of 1 John. Next week, surprise, surprise, we'll be in the book of 2 John. The big idea is we've been studying uh, the book of 1 John is to talk about how to live as Christians. And so this morning, I want to end with some final thoughts, some final principles from the Word of God about living as Christians. Let's read together, starting in verse 13. John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world, is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. This is God's word. Let's talk about it as we conclude our study of 1 John. Three kind of closing thoughts this morning. And the first is, when we're talking about living as Christians, we need to focus or look for what is clear. What do I mean by that? Well, all of the Bible is true, but not all of the Bible is equally clear. For example, verses 16 and 17 
talk about sins that do not lead to death and then a sin that does lead to death. And I'll tell you that in the history of the church, this is a verse that has not been clearly understood. And there's a lot of disagreements about what that means. Because what John is saying is, hey, if somebody is involved in a sin that doesn't lead to death, you should pray for them. But I'm not speaking about the sin that leads to death. You shouldn't pray for that. And so people go, well, wait, how do I know the difference? And why is it that if there's a sin leading to death, I shouldn't pray for them? Because that seems kind of serious. Like maybe I should pray more for them. But John, you seem to be saying that I shouldn't pray at all for them in that situation. I'm confused. All of the Bible is equally true, but not all of the Bible is equally clear. I want to look for what is understood. I can focus on the confusing things or the unclear things, or I can choose to focus on the things that are clear. What does it say in verse 16? If you see a brother or sister commit a sin, pray for them. How many times have people heard about a brother or sister that is caught in sin and then we've gossiped about it or we've judged them silently or maybe not so silently with our hearts or in our mouths and we hear about what's going on we say how could they do that how dare they instead of saying oh lord work in their life show grace you've shown so much grace in my life show grace for them you've led me back when I have gone astray, Lord, could you lead them back? We may not have total clarity on what it means to have a sin that does lead to death or a sin that doesn't lead to death, but I do have clarity that if I hear or know that a brother or sister is caught in sin, that instead of judging them, I should pray for them. This last week, I heard about a brother caught in sin. It was tempting to judge them. But the right thing to do, and I'm so glad that I was studying these verses this week in preparation, you know, Lord, work in their life and keep me from the same sin. Now, there's disagreement and different ideas about what sins leading to death and not leading to death mean. Um, in the, the Jewish synagogues, at the time where John was writing this, they did have a concept of like a sin that doesn't lead to death and a sin that leads to death. And the sin that leads to death is like the things that would get you kicked out. Uh, these are the big ones. If you do one of the big sins, then you are kicked out. And so some people have said maybe John is speaking of that. Could be. I don't know. I do know that people in Jesus's day had a tendency to emphasize one sin over another. And Jesus said, hey, you guys think that this is the big thing. But he said, if you have hate in your heart, it's just the same as murder to God. That all sin before God is punishable by death. Some people have said that what this is talking about is there's a difference between somebody who is gossiping and somebody who does something that is worthy of civil punishment. Basically, what you could say is, let's say that you know somebody um, has the sin of bitterness. Pray for them. But then somebody 
uh, commits a murder and goes to jail and they're put on death row. And so what some people have said is you shouldn't pray for them to be delivered from death row because that's the punishment for their crime. Uh, rather, you should just pray that they would trust in Jesus. That's another idea. Um, others have said that this is a warning to those who are Christians and then walk away from their faith. That, that what the Apostle John is saying to the church is they have gone so far that you just have to let, let them go and trust them to God. And there's uh, some evidence for that when you look at, um, Paul talks about it in, in Timothy where he says, hey, there are these two guys and you know what, I've just, I've just said, fine, I've wa- they're going to go their own way and, and maybe God will have mercy on them. So it could be that's what John is talking about. It could also be this, and I want to be very humble when I say this, in my study, reading scholars and Bible commentators and other, other uh, you know, learned Christian sisters and brothers who, who have thought a lot about this. I haven't seen this. I'm not saying I, I'm the first to come up with this. I'm just saying that I didn't see this. So as far as I know, it's original to me. And I want to be really careful, like I'm not trying to plagiarize anybody. Also know that I could be totally wrong because anytime that I have a thought and then I don't find other people have had the same thought, I get a little bit worried because I'm not that smart. But here's a thought. What if a sin leading to death versus a sin that doesn't lead to death? And it's interesting. He says there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All sin is wrongdoing and there is a sin that does not lead to death. One of the challenges that we have when we say all of the Bible is equally true, but not all of the Bible is equally clear, it can be challenging to try to translate an idea from one language to another. Some things translate very well, but some things, the more I have studied language, not just English to Greek or English to Hebrew, I've studied Spanish, I've had a little bit of exposure to other languages and and the translation from uh, other languages like Latin or German. and, and as you read about these things, there are ideas that make total sense in their original native language that are incredibly hard to translate outside to another language. It's possible that what John is saying is, if you see someone else, a Christian sister, a Christian brother, who is caught in sin, you should pray for them. But I'm not saying that if they're caught in sin, that immediately that means, oh, they're going to hell. Because that's what some have taught over the centuries, right? You know, oh, you've done that sin. You better pray because, you know, you're not sure whether God still loves you. And I think what John could be saying, I'm just going to throw this out there. What he could be saying is, I'm telling you to pray for people when they're caught in sin. I'm telling you to pray for people who are part of the family of God that you've been placed in. But I'm not saying that just because somebody has uh, committed one sin that we deem to be worse, that that immediately means that they're not a Christian or they're not saved. I said this in the announcements, and I think it's true. One of the things that I, I believe the world wants right now is to create more enemies. 
And then what happens is somebody does something that we deem to be sinful and, and there's this immediate, we want to write them off as like, oh, they're, they're gone. They're not part of the kingdom anymore. They're not part of the faith anymore. I don't know that. I want to pray for them. I want to ask God to work in their life. I'm not talking about compromising truth. I'm not talking about being wishy-washy. I'm just saying instead of judging them, maybe what John is saying is that we just pray for them. And even if that's not exactly what he's saying, I think that's part of what he's saying. And like I said earlier, one of the principles of Christian living is focus on what's clear. It's clear to me that John wants us to pray for Christians when something goes bad. It, it, it's clear to me that in prayer, God wants me to seek him and his will. You know, is it a sin leading to death or not? I don't know. But maybe as I pray over the situation, God might give me some kind of clarity on something. Maybe, let's say, let's say that there's somebody that you know, they're part of the church or they're part of a church that you were previously a part of or you just know them through life or whatever, but they're a Christian and you're a Christian and you know that they have just totally gone off the rails. Maybe as you pray for them, God will give you some clarity in what's going on. Maybe. I think the, the first principle of Christian living, and this is sort of a, it's directly from these verses, but I think it's a general principle, because if you might have noticed this, John has a tendency to repeat himself a lot. And so these themes that have been going through the whole book, I think get summed up in these closing verses. And the first principle is live in the clarity of our faith. There are things that I know for sure. There are things that I I. I know are absolutely true and clear. And then there are things that are mysterious. So instead of focusing and debating about what it means to have a sin that leads to death versus a sin that doesn't lead to death, I'm just going to say this. I know for certain that God wants me to pray for people instead of judging them. God wants me to pray for people instead of dismissing them or kicking them to the curve or shunning them away and pretending that they never existed. God wants me to pray. That's what I know for certain. Sin versus leading to death versus one that doesn't. All sin is wrongdoing. What does that all mean? I'm just going to embrace a certain amount of mystery and I'm going to focus on what's clear. The second thing that I notice in these verses is to focus on the foundations of our faith. The foundations of our faith. In verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe. Active faith. And then in verse 16, we don't fully know what those verses mean, but we do know that he wants us to pray and, and have concern for others. So in verse 16, we're told about loving other people and prayer. And in verse 21, what does he close the whole book with? He says, dear children, keep yourself from idols. Idolatry is putting anything that is not God in the place of God. These are foundational issues to have active faith, not passive faith, not just, oh yeah, I believe that kind of in my head, I guess, but to have active faith. I don't just believe that mentally, but I believe it in my heart and my soul. And I don't just believe it intellectually like I think that's true, but I believe it actively. I'm living it out. 
And I don't just say, oh, you know, God loves everybody, but I want to live a life of love and prayer for others. And I don't want to just say that Jesus is God, but I want to actively fight idolatry, putting other things in the place of Jesus in my life. And that's the second principle that I think we see all through the book of 1 John, and I think we see it here in these verses, is that the root causes of spiritual health are far more important than the visible symptoms. And here's what I mean by that. There's a lot of people who have over the years, in church or outside of church, but a lot of times in church, that they have focused on the visible signs of being a Christian. The visible signs of church health. Oh, that person's a pillar of the church, only to find out that they might be the most messed up person in the church. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, well, aren't we all messed up? Church is a safe place for broken people. Absolutely. But what I mean is somebody who tries to hide their brokenness by outwardly looking good versus somebody who on the outside, you can see, yeah, that person is a mess but you also can see that they are working on the foundational health issues of their faith. Somebody could have all the right Bible answers, all the big Bible knowledge trivia pieces. They could pray really nice and pretty. And on the inside, there's just nothing there. And somebody could be like terrible at praying. They they don't know much about the Bible yet. They're working on it, but they don't know much yet. And you know what? There's a lot of clutter and mess in their life, and Jesus is working on cleaning that all out. But the heart, the foundation is there. You know, so much of what uh, the church organizationally has tried to do over the years is to get people to clean up, to look nice, to behave. Oh, you want to be a Christian? Then come and clean yourself up and, and kind of fit our mold. Instead of saying, you love Jesus too? Wow, you're really different than me. Isn't that crazy how Jesus can take people who are so different and we're all his followers? I mean, that's what Jesus did with the original 12 disciples, right? You know, you had these fishermen, blue-collar workers. And then you had Matthew, who's a tax collector. So basically, he's like working in an office. He's like a guy, one percenter working on Wall Street. And you had Simon the Zealot, who was like a political radical. And, and you had all these different people. And then later on, Paul came into the mix, and he's like a, an intellectual academic. And, and you have all these different people, a part of the mix, and there's, there's diversity. And then as the church expanded, all of a sudden, it wasn't just you know, young Jewish guys, but there were men and women involved and there were Africans and Asians and Europeans and the church is this diverse thing. And you go, man, how did God bring such differences? And and they brought all these different people and different backgrounds and different perspectives and they brought us all together. So instead of trying to fit a certain mold, behavior modification, look like us, dress like us, speak like us, you know, agree with us, It's this idea of, I want to seek the the foundational things of health. You want to live as a Christian? The, The answer isn't embracing Christian culture. The answer is embracing Jesus Christ. If we want to grow and thrive, it's like, why am I not growing in my faith? Well, I always come back to the basic things. Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? Are you connected in real community and family in the church? Are you you part of life-giving things? 
I'm not talking about behavior. I'm talking about these foundational issues. I need to love more, so I'm just going to focus on loving more. I would say no. Focus on Jesus more. And then as we focus on Jesus, let his love grow in your heart. I need to forgive more. Can you recommend a book on forgiveness? Yeah, maybe I can do that. But the biggest issue is to focus on Jesus and how much he has forgiven me or how much he has forgiven you. And then the more and more and more that I'm aware of how much Jesus has forgiven me, then how wrong is it that I can't bring forgiveness to someone else? Focus on the foundational things. He says, I write this to you who believe active faith. And then he says to pray for others, not out of judgment or uh, condemnation or condescension, but pray for them because you care about them, because you love them. And then he says, dear children, keep yourself from idols. Fight idolatry wherever it creeps up. I believe right now the threat in America is not idolatry like we're going to go find a statue or a golden cow or something and worship in front of it. The idolatry that we fight is the idolatry of ourself, the idolatry of human leaders, the idolatry of human ideologies or political systems, the idolatry of tribalism. These are all the things that we have to war against spiritually because they will destroy our faith. The final principle Look for what's clear, focus on the foundations, and then finally embrace Jesus' victory. Verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. It's good to know that we have eternal life. If I hope you think that. If you want to live as a Christian, You have to embrace Jesus' victory. You might think, hey, we're going to do a series on Christian living. And so week one will be about love. And then week two will be about prayer. And then week three will be about baptism. And week four will be about evangelism, right? Like that's kind of how preachers do these things. Again, I go back to that foundational idea. I really believe that those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we're going to have a baptism at the end of the month. If you've never been baptized, let me know. Adam at faithonhill.com. We're going to be baptizing people at the end of August. But as, as great as all those things are, I want Jesus to be the center of my life and your life. And if I'm trying to live as a Christian... He says, you may know that you may have eternal life. One of the things that I come back to often is that every person who is saved, every person who has had their sins forgiven by Jesus, I will spend eternity with, and so will you if you are in Christ. There is, I was thinking about this, there's a guy who, it's fair to say he wronged me. I don't have a better word for it. He did wrong by me. And he's a Christian, and I don't question his faith. And recently I was really annoyed, and I saw something on their Facebook, and I was like, why am I still Facebook friends with this person? And I'm not saying you shouldn't delete some people because there's just things that aren't healthy, but but in this case I, I prayed about it, and I just came back to the conclusion that I am going to spend all eternity worshiping Jesus with this person. 
I might as well learn forgiveness right now. Verse 18, he says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We aren't doomed. We are not doomed. We are not doomed to be stuck in the misery of the world around us. Jesus has really set us free from sin and from death. Does that mean that I'm never going to sin? No, of course not. Does that mean that I'll never need to grow or increase in my faith or my spiritual maturity? No, of course not. But it means that we're not doomed. It, it means that there is victory in this life. Maybe there is a person that you just say, Lord, I don't know how to forgive them. I don't believe that that is a permanent situation. Maybe there is a person that your initial response is always to be dismissive towards, to always be sort of ridiculing, even if it's not to their face. It's just something about them. You ever, you ever met somebody that just has a very, uh, a very punchable face? There's something about them. I just want to slap them. Maybe that's me. Maybe I have a punchable face. But we're not doomed. You know, I, I think about division in the church and, and I pray, Lord, you're, you're the God who raised the dead. Can you restore relationship? Can, can you, you raise the dead. Can, can you restore what sin and pride and, and selfishness and arrogance has, has caused? We're not doomed. You're not doomed to always be fighting. You're not doomed to always be bitter. You're not doomed to always be stuck in these cycles of shame and then Lord forgive me and then I do it again and then Lord forgive me. There's freedom. When we talk about living as Christians, I want to look for what's clear and I want to focus on the foundations and the foundations that are so clear to me is this. Jesus Christ died to save sinners and set the captives free. And set the captives free. And that, I think, is our third principle, our final principle for Christian living from the book of 1 John. Make Jesus the center of our Christian life. Not the stuff that's unclear. Not the stuff that's secondary. Make Jesus the center of our Christian life. And I know people who, everything but Jesus seems to be the center of their Christian life. Some sort of Christian nationalism, some sort of end times trivia, uh, some sort of, you know, whatever the newest book. I have to, you know, whatever the newest Christian book is, that's the center of my Christian experience. There's nothing wrong with a Christian book. There's nothing wrong with knowing about Bible prophecy. Uh, there might be quite a lot wrong with Christian nationalism. But the point I'm making is this, if we make Jesus the center of our Christian lives, then we're going to have a lot easier time trying to live as Christians. If I'm trying to live as a Christian in my own power, I'm going to fail. And I, I hate to be a bummer. I usually would prefer to be positive on this, but so will you. Each and every one of us trying to live as Christians in our own strength will fail. And I have such a, a big heart and compassion for people who grew up in the church, people who grew up in the church and tried to live 
as was expected of them, tried to live in a way that they thought was Christian, but they didn't have Jesus. And they just walk away sad and miserable. But if we have Christ, if Jesus really is the Lord of our lives, if we have been set free from sin and from death, then we can live in the peace and the power that God has given to us by his grace, through his Son, by the power of his Spirit. We want to look for what's clear, and what's clear to me is Jesus. I want to focus on the foundations, and what's clear to me is the foundations of prayer, Bible reading, community, love, being filled with the Holy Spirit, those foundational things will bring me to a place where Jesus' victory is the center of my Christian experience and of yours. And I don't know, you know, we're coming into a season of uncertainty, coming into the fall and we don't know, is, is, are we going to get COVID round two? What's going to be the rules? Uh, the new, whatever, all this stuff that's going on this week. But I know that Jesus is victorious. And if I'm clear on that, and that's my foundation, then I have great hope for you and for me because of Jesus. Hey, you know what? I don't know how God's been speaking to you. John wrote this. It says in verse 13, he wrote this to believers. But if you're hearing my voice and you're not a believer, there is an invitation to believe. If you're hearing my voice and you've been distant from God, there's an invitation to draw close. And if you're hearing my voice and you say, I haven't been living in faith and victory, there's an invitation to step forward in it. We're going to pray. And wherever you're at, as we enter this time of prayer, Jesus hears your prayers and the prayer of faith will not be denied. Let's go to prayer together because Jesus is listening and Jesus is working. Well, as we have heard from God's word, we believe that God is speaking to us. I believe that God speaks to all people. And it's on us to respond to his speaking to us. Now, if you need to pause at any point, hit that pause button and continue to pray. Then you can unpause and keep coming with us. That's great. But I want to invite you to enter a posture of prayer, if that's possible, whatever that is for you. Whether it's eyes opened, eyes closed, hands lifted, hands folded, sitting, standing. Uh, Maybe you're on a jog or a walk and so it's just, you know, quieting your heart before the Lord. Whatever it is, I just invite you to enter that, that posture, that spirit of prayer. And this morning we want to rejoice in all that God has been doing and is doing. And we want to respond to what God has been speaking to us. And then we want to bring all of our needs and our worries and our concerns before him because our God cares for us. Let's pray together. Holy Father, Lord, I thank you for the many ways that you are showing yourself strong, that you are answering prayer. Lord, I thank you for the healing work that you're doing in many lives. Think of Jim, who couldn't be with us in person for a couple of months because of health, and he's, 
He's been back with us in person. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the restoring work that you are doing. You're changing people, bringing us out of darkness into light. Lord, I thank you for every blessing, every provision, every bit of grace and hope that you have given to us. We rejoice in all that you're doing. Lord, we pray that you would make us more aware of the blessings that you are working in our lives so that we could rejoice in you even more. Lord, we also know that you've been speaking to us. I firmly believe that. Though I want to respond to you. I know that you were speaking to me this week as I was preparing and studying to bring a word from you from the Bible. And, and for me, it was the speaking of, of focusing, refocusing on the basic foundational things of our faith so that I can grow and keep growing and, and come to a new place of, of new strength. And I want that. Lord, thank you that you speak to us, that you're always speaking to us. And however God has spoken to you, I just say, identify it and just pray over it. Lord, give me the wisdom how to do this. Lord, give me the power to live this. Lord, give me the grace to know how to step forward in what you've been speaking to me. Lord, if there's any sin that is damaging, that is blocking, that is hindering, that is causing suffering or pain. We repent of it. We want your goodness. We don't want suffering. We want your grace. We don't, we don't want the misery that our sins have brought us. And Lord, finally, we just bring before you the needs. I know there are many who are sick. COVID really hasn't hit our church this last year and a half, but we've had hospitalizations, Cancer has been like top on our prayer list. There have just been all kinds of issues. Uh, people have had falls and different accidents. And Lord, we just pray for healing for those who need it, for hope for those who need it, grace for those who call out, provision and wisdom for those who lack. Lord, thank you that you have not ever forgotten us, never forsaken us, never once. Lord, thank you for the work that you are doing. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior, through the power of his Spirit. Amen. Did you know that God is for you? That God is working to see his new life, his love, his power born in our lives. And I hope you know that is true this week. I pray this blessing on you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and that you would see his grace in your life this week. God bless you, and we'll see you next week as we continue to gather together as the family of Jesus, praising his name and studying his word. We'll see you next week. God bless you.